He did it once. During the streak, he's hitting over 400 during this 10-game hit streak. Torres pumps that one in the air. That's the left center field. Wilgerson back. I, I don't know. Goodbye home run. I, I just, you cannot imagine this happening in Major League Baseball or any other place in baseball. I mean, he is just unstoppable. And it's all home runs against the Orioles. And it is five to nothing. And he did it again. Four runs, four hits in that ball game. Two of the runs earned. In the air to right field. Mancini going back on the ball by Torres. Way back. Up and... I don't even know. Goodbye home run. I mean, last two at bats. He's hit home runs numbers 11 and 12 on the season. And now has 10 home runs against the Orioles this year. Just amazing. Welcome to the Big Blue Pinstripes Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Yankee and Big Blue Nation. Thank you for tuning in to this week's installment of the Big Blue Pinstripes Podcast. I am Joe Butkerite. I am your host. And yes, Glaber Torres continues to hit home runs in Baltimore and against the Orioles as a whole. And the funny thing is, lost in the shuffle is Gary Sanchez's performance against the Orioles this year also. We will get into that later, but it was a hell of a week for the Yankees. Um, Ask and you shall receive. I went on record on last week's episode saying that I wanted the Yankees to go 5-2. and two. They had a four-game series with the Orioles and three games with the Royals. I wanted a 3-1 three, three and one against Baltimore, 2-1 and one against Kansas City. They did me one better. They went. They uh, completed a four-game sweep over the Orioles as well as taking the two of three from Kansas City. Almost had the three-game sweep. Kind of had a wild Sunday game, uh, which we'll get into that game in particular in a little bit. But ended up going 2-1 and one in that series taking the series and going 6-1 and one for the week while finishing the weekend with a two-game lead in the AL East over the Tampa Bay Rays. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got a pretty packed show. got a lot of Yankees talk. A lot happened this week as far as game performance as well as everything off the field with some trade rumors that are swirling through the air and some just ridiculous performances this week. Uh, so let's let's get right into it. Uh, like I said, they went 6-1 and one this week, uh, taking four games from Baltimore. As you heard from the call uh, to begin the show, the Orioles announcer, Gary Thorne, who's very has a very prominent voice in Major League Baseball, especially in announcing and among you know the peers in the broadcast booth, and it is <laughs> it was pretty comical to listen to those games. He was just baffled at what you know Gleyber Torres and, and Gary Sanchez were doing. Uh, didn't get the call. I can only get so many <laughs> so many intro calls in there before it gets a little crazy. Uh, but I, I wanted to go for the Gleyber Torres calls because he was at, literally at a loss for words. As, as a man who speaks for a living, I had nothing to say. I, it, it was unbelievable what he's doing. He's, he's had four multi-home run games, as you heard on the call. Uh, four multi-home run games, and all four are against Baltimore this year. All four. He's only played in 12 times, and in f- four of those 12 games, he's hit uh, two home runs. And he didn't play in Sunday's game, or in uh, Thursday's game. So really, he's played 11 games, and he's hit 10 home runs, and four of them were multi-home run games. It's unbelievable. Uh, the kid's a bona fide star. Yeah, they, I mean, they took four, four games in that series, and it was pretty convincing. The only game where they really had to earn it was Monday's game. Uh, they fell behind real quick, went down uh, 6-1, cut it to 6-5, then let up another run to make it 7-5. 
and then ended up scoring five runs uh, in the ninth inning to win 10-7. Just the epitome of these Yankees. Like we, we talk about it every week. I mean, it's, it's so much fun to watch. And every week it's something new. It's another team. It's another comeback. It's another dramatic victory. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so much fun. I, it's it's appointment television at its finest. I, I cannot wait to watch these guys every day because I go into every game thinking they're going to win. And no matter how the game starts or how the game progresses, if they're they don't even need to be a couple runs. I mean, if they're just if they get into the bullpen, if I know that the team has a weak bullpen, I, I don't think they're out of any game. I mean, I think they can score at will in against any bullpen, and they're doing it and they keep winning. It's, it's pretty crazy. One downside to it, we did lose CC Sabathia this week. Uh, had some discomfort while he was pitching. Got through five innings in his game. Uh, came out. All the reports make it seem like he's going to miss the 10 days required for the 10. He was placed on a 10-day IL. Uh, all the reports are making it seem like he's only going to miss the required 10 days. It's not going to be anything longer than that, so that'll be nice. He's already throwing bullpens, and everything seems to be going well. So he should be back, hopefully, you know, in the next week or two. One goes down, one comes back. The report is that James Paxton will be returning this week and starting on Wednesday against the Padres. And that'll be a big, big boost to this team. Uh, they've been deploying the opener in his spot in the rotation each week. Uh, Chad Green has been getting that call. It'll be really, really, really nice to get James Paxton back. He Before he went down, he went 3-2 and two and 7 starts with a 3-11 ERA was striking out 12 and a half per nine innings. I mean, just plowing through teams. Had really one bad game that, that bloated the ERA. Really, he's been like a 2-6 guy for most of the year. So that'll be a big boost. And against a team that, you know, that, that's a good team for him to come back against because they, they, they're they a pretty good team. Um, they got a decent lineup, but it's not, you know, it's not Yankees scary. It's not the Dodgers scary. It's, it, it's a lineup that you can take care of and it's a good warm-up for him coming back seeing as his next start will probably be he should be slated for Sunday against Boston which that'll be a big series they got uh, this week they got three games against uh, San Diego Monday through Wednesday and then Thursday to Sunday is a four-game set against Boston and Boston's been playing really really well they've been pretty much going step for step with the Yankees for the past two three weeks uh, and they got off to a really slow start but they are streaking so that that's going to be a fun series and, and you can't sleep on the Padres. I mean, the Padres are a 500 team. Now. They're not the, the walkover team that they have been. They're not the not just a mat that you can just step all over. Uh, they, they, they're pretty solid. They're very young, very talented. It's just a matter of them getting experience. I think they're going to be good moving forward, but this is not their year yet, and I think the Yankees need to take advantage of this. They need to, they need to at worst, win the series, but they, they should be able to sweep them. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but they, at worst, I, I, they need to win two of three. They can't lose that series. And then you go into Boston. I mean, asking for a four-game sweep against the Boston Red Sox is a, it's a difficult ask. So I want three or four. I, like I, like we're gonna say, uh, win series. That's all you need to do in baseball. You don't need to win every game. You're not gonna. You play 162 times. You're not gonna win every game. It's uh, the record. I think is 118 wins. Uh, I believe it's 118 wins by Seattle. That's the record. I mean, it's not. You're not going to win every game. So if you go about your business, win every series, you're going to be in great shape. And that's what the Yankees have been doing. Keep doing it. Take three or three, three of take three or four from Boston, and you'll be in good shape. They are they're playing really well, but they're they're starting to get banged up. David Price got hurt, uh, so we'll see what what they do with the rotation when they come to town. But it, it'll be a fun series. As far as the 
the, the Orioles series, I mean, it was just a beatdown. From the moment they fell down 6-1 in the first game, it, from that point forward, it was just a beatdown. You know, four straight games. I mean, in the series, Gleyber Torres and, and Gary Sanchez went just batshit crazy. Uh, for the season, we've played them 12 times, and between Gary Sanchez and Gleyber Torres, they have 19 home runs. 19 home runs in 12 games. And really 11 games because... Like I mentioned earlier, Gleyber Torres sat on Sunday. Gary Sanchez did too. Uh, they both came in to pinch hit in the ninth inning. And <laughs> oddly enough, both contributed to the win as Gleyber Torres walked and scored the game-winning run while uh, Gary Sanchez singled to move him over to third before uh, they, they drove him in to win the game. It's unbelievable what they're doing against a team that, to be honest, I don't know why they're still pitching to him. Why would you pitch to him? I mean, you heard Gary Thorne. You see how exasperated he is when he's when he's calling these games, and he's he's one of the the, the most you know respectable voices in the game, and he has he doesn't know what to say. He's like it was just why are they pitching to him? I don't know what you almost can't even give him anything to hit because he's gonna hit it out of, out of the park. I don't know what it is about Baltimore, what it is about Camden Yards, but <laughs> Gleyber Torres, if he was an Oriole, that dude would uh, be a bona fide Hall of Famer. But he's not. He's on our team, and I think he's still going to be Hall of Famer, and I love that he's on our team because I love him. He's uh, he's one of my favorite favorite guys. I, I got a bona fide man crush on, 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 on the kid. But yeah, so it's, it's looking good right now. The Yankees are in good shape, uh, getting some guys back. One thing that did happen this past week, uh, Giancarlo Stanton was on a rehab assignment. Uh, got pulled from the rehab and returned to the IL, noting calf tightness, which is a little bit different than what the injuries he was experiencing before with the bicep. And he, just, he's just got all sorts of shit going on. He's Who, who knows what's going on? I, I don't know how you hurt your calf when you're rehabbing a bicep, but whatever. That, it is what it is. I If you guys caught the rapid reaction video that I posted this week detailing some of the injury updates, you'll know how I felt about him and how I feel about him coming back and and what I think about the injury. So go ahead and check that out at patreon.com slash big blue pinstripes. Uh, there's going to be a couple more coming out, especially with some of these guys coming back. Uh, Didi Gregorius is is working his way back, so you can catch some of the updates on him as well. So anyways, getting into the week, it's crazy. They, they took two of three from Tampa last week to build the lead to a half a game. They go through this week and then build the lead up to two games. They actually got it up to three on Saturday, but when they lost Sunday, uh, Tampa Bay won Sunday. They beat the Dodgers. Uh, they actually took two or three from the Dodgers, which I was pretty impressed with. But they they took a game back on Sunday, and we finished up two games. And what can you ask for? We're at the end of May, and we're two games up in the division with a team that's missing half of their players. And I know it gets redundant, saying this over and over again. They're missing their team, like – we're beyond the point where we can use that as an excuse. This team has high expectations regardless of who's on the field now. They have established themselves as one of the best teams in the league with this squad that in its current construction, and it doesn't matter now what happens. Like, if they go on a losing streak, it's a disappointment. It's not a couple of weeks ago, should they have lost, you know, four out of five or, or seven out of ten, it would have been, ah, well, we knew it wasn't going to last. We need these guys back. Well, now they've been doing this for a, a complete third of the season. It's been over 50 games, and they're still winning. So now we're at a point where we really can't use this as an excuse anymore unless unless we keep losing pitchers. If they keep losing starting pitchers, then, then the whole game changes. They, I mean, they can't keep using openers. I don't I don't know what the point of it is. He comes in. Chad Green has been the opener this year. I think he's done it three, uh, two, 
two times at least, maybe three, and he pitches one inning, and then it's generally Luis Sessa following him, and he pitches four or five. I don't understand the difference between him pitching the first inning to the fifth inning between, or him pitching the second inning to the sixth inning. I don't know what the hell the difference is, but for some reason they just think it's working, and I think they've won every time he's done it. I think they're 3-0 and in the games that Chad Green has opened, not started. He has opened, as I do air quotes, into a microphone that you cannot see. And it, it's working, but you can't do that for the whole year. I mean, you need these guys. You need Paxton back. You need CC back. You need Severino back. We God, Severino, we need you back. And in light of all this, as I tease some of the trade rumors in the beginning, there's a there's a lot swirling around. As, as everybody knows, I live in the D.C. area, so a lot of people around here are Nats fans or talk about the Nats a lot. A lot of the talk radio I listen to is Nationals radio, and that that's kind of where you're getting the wind of it. There's a lot of talk that should the Nationals keep losing as they are ah, severely disappointing everyone this season. They are really struggling. They're, they're flirting with last place in the NL East, which is an impressive feat when you're in a, in a division with the Marlins. And if they keep losing, there's a lot of talk going around that they might start shipping some players out. They might start shedding some salary, trying to get some, trying to rebuild the farm that they use to, you know, make a few trades and rebuild that farm and start looking ahead. And they got a lot of young guys that are going to, you know, be the core of that team. So it might be time to start shipping out some of the guys like Anthony Rendon is on the last year of his contract. Should they try to resign him, pay all this money, or, you know, ship him out, try to get something in return, and, and possibly make a run at him in the offseason? Similar to what the Yankees did with Aroldis Chapman a few years ago, which worked out because that's what brought us Glaber Torres, and that's why the Yankees are where they are, and we're using... Labor Torres' home run calls as intros to the show. It works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it does, and, and when it does, it pays off in, it, with great dividends. Another guy that's on the chopping block that there's been talk about is Max Scherzer, and I am very, very intrigued with this. If the Yankees could figure out a way to get some of their guys back and use some of these guys that have been tearing it up and basically turn them into trade chips, as, you know, these guys are playing... These the guys that are playing now are playing for jobs. They're not playing like they're not guys that are are established in this league. They're they're playing for their job. And when the superstars come back, when Aaron Judge comes back, where's Clint Frazier gonna play? When Giancarlo Stanton comes back, where's Clint Frazier gonna play? When Didi Gregorius comes back, where's Gio Rochella gonna play? Where's Tyro Estrada gonna play? Uh, you know when Luis Severino comes back, when when uh, Jordan Montgomery comes back, if Domingo Herman has a few bad starts. Are they going to put him on the trade block and say, you know, we got a good run out of him. Let's sell him while he's high. Or are they going to stick with him and, and try to build around him for the future? I don't know. But when you got a guy like Max Scherzer that's possibly available, and I know he's not the Max Scherzer this year that he has been, and if you can tell me all you want about how bad he's been, I brought this up to a couple of my friends this week, and they're like, well, Max Scherzer's over the hill. He's not he's not playing well anymore. I, okay, the Nationals aren't playing well. Have you looked at Max Scherzer's numbers? His numbers are just as good as they've been. I, I mean, his ERA is a little bit higher than normal, but his ERA would be, I think, number two on the Yankees. Like, he's got... He's Max Scherzer. He's a three-time Cy Young winner. He's a Hall of Famer. He's only 34. It's not like he's, you know, 39 years old pushing retirement. I mean, he's 30. He's still got four good years. Look at Justin Verlander. Look at, you know, Clayton Kershaw. Look at these guys that get a little bit. Of, look at CeCe. I mean, we got it right on our team. CeCe is still a good pitcher. He just can't stay healthy because it's the, the mileage is caught up to him, and, and he's not in the physical shape that Max Scherzer's in. 
that some of these other guys that, that Justin Verlander's in. He's not in that kind of shape where his injuries are going to build up a little bit more frequently than you know some of these other guys. And to be frank, he's he's pitched a lot more innings than some of these other guys. I mean, he was a 220 inning guy for pretty much seven, ten years in a row. The mileage on his arm is a lot greater than the mileage on everybody else's arm. I don't think there's a guy in Major League Baseball right now that has thrown as many innings as CC, but he's still effective when he's healthy. He's still effective, and Max Scherzer is still dominant. There's a difference. Max Scherzer is still throwing 97. Max Scherzer still has that changeup that is just, it's it's absolutely unhittable when he's when he's throwing well. You look at him this year, you're going to see the record. You're going to see two and five. What you're not going to see is that he is dead last in Major League Baseball in run support. Or in, yeah, in run support. He is absolutely dead last in, excuse me, not run support. He is dead last in bullpen support. There's a difference. He leaves most of his games with a lead or he might be within one, something like that where the offense doesn't help, but his bullpen has allowed the most runs in his starts than any bullpen has for one of their pitcher starts. I know that sounded a little confusing, but when he pitches, his bullpen is the worst than anybody else's bullpen after a start. I'm trying to explain this in the best way possible, but it's the, his numbers are very, very misleading. He's you know, he's still got a 326 ERA. 326 isn't bad. You know, there's there's room for a 326 ERA pitcher in every single rotation in baseball. Every single one. And with the Yankees, I believe he'd be second, maybe third. He might be behind Tanaka and uh, Herman. Uh, Paxton is lower than that, but Paxton's, you know, thrown half the start. So it's kind of, his sample size is quite a bit smaller. Uh, but he's thrown 77 innings, still has 102 strikeouts. Uh, he's led the strikeouts three years in a row and led the league in innings, you know, two or three years in a row. He's that type of pitcher, and he is a bona fide ace. He's going to walk into this team and be the bona fide ace that's pitching in a wild card game, that's pitching in game one of every series, and, you know, you're trying to get two, possibly three appearances from in the playoffs. He's been there. He's done it. He knows how to win. He knows how to pitch. He knows how to intimidate. If the Yankees could figure it out, I would be, oh, man, I would be so excited. That would be the guy that that would basically catapult them into World Series favorites. I mean, they're they're one of the favorites with you know along with Houston, along with the Dodgers, along with uh, you could say I guess the Twins, but I'm not sure if the Twins are going to last come playoff time. But they're one of the favorites right now. If if they figure out a deal that brings Max Scherzer in, they are the favorite, the only favorite. And I don't think it would take a whole lot. I mean the the Nationals still owe him quite a bit of money, and his contract, the Nationals deal with their contracts in a very weird, weird way. His contract is a lot of deferred money, which any of the deferred money would still be Nationals' responsibility. The Yankees would only have to pay, or any team that acquired him, would only have to pay the annual salary, which is different from his contract value. So it, it would raise the cost a little bit, but the fact that it's still so expensive and you could still get a good return for him, it's not going to be as expensive as you would have thought. I can see them doing something like Domingo Herman and Clint Frazier for uh, Scherzer. And if you want to even get crazy, you can do Herman and say Esteban Florial. Florial, who is the Yankees' number one prospect, the outfielder, uh, still a young kid, an international free agent, uh, supposed to be very good. Uh, there's there's really no knock against him. He's played well in his spring training invites the last couple of years. There's just it's that's a loaded outfield. It's the the outfield is to be honest, it's a loaded team. I mean they got space in every 
every area of this team except for starting pitching. But it's a loaded outfit. I mean, how how long is it going to be before? I mean, they still got Stanton for another seven years. They still got Judge for, I mean, really for the rest of his career because they're not letting him go anywhere. They just signed Aaron Hicks to a seven-year extension. You know, they got guys that are set in stone in these spots where if you're going to tell me that you're going to trade Florial in a package for Max Scherzer, sign me up all day, every day, twice on Sunday. Do it now. And Clint Frazier, I mean, I like Clint Frazier as a hitter. I think he's a, I think he's going to be one of the the better hitting outfielders in for years to come. He's he's got, as they say in air quotes again, for those that can't see, as in everybody, air quotes. He's got legendary bat speed, and it it is. It's it's unbelievable how quick his hands are, and it's also unbelievable how bad he is in the outfield. Some of those games this this week, I think I think it was. Two games against both games against the Royals. It might have been all three games against the Royals where he was just making boneheaded plays in the outfield. And I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if he doesn't know how to track a ball. He doesn't know how to dive for a ball, but he he makes some plays that make you wonder how he managed to become a major league outfielder. You know it's his bat that got him to where it is, but you still gotta be able to, to play defense and he is awful. He's got a good arm. He's he's got a really good arm, but other than that He's he takes bad routes of the ball. He doesn't see the ball into the glove. He drops. He I think he dropped three balls in the outfield this week, three and dove for one that he was five feet away from and let it go back to the wall, which led to a triple. Just plays that you know you got guys like Brett Gardner who have been there would know. You know I'm not going to be able to get this, and you also know you're playing a corner outfield position. Chances are, if if you're running towards the wall and diving, the the center fielder's not behind you. I mean, they're coming to back up, but they got, you know, 50 yards to run to get to you. So that ball gets by you, and that runner's just going to continue to run. He's going to go as far as he wants because there's no one stopping him. So there's times in a game where you got to decide, like, hey, maybe I can't get this one. Maybe I'm going to slow up, take it off a hop, hold him to a single, and be done with it. I'm not going to be, you know, Superman and, and come flying out of the air to catch a ball. It's it's not always going to happen, and it's, it's plays like that that, not necessarily make him the bad outfielder. It's the fact that he can't catch the ball when it's hit to him that makes him a bad outfielder. But it's the plays like that that make me say, eh, we can get rid of him. He's just not, he doesn't have the baseball smarts on a, on the defensive side that, you know, you really need. I mean, you can't, you can have, if you're scoring seven, eight runs a game, you're going to, you know, mask those deficiencies. But if, if you know, if you're playing in tight games, plays like that decide games. Plays like that decide decide. You know who moves on to the second round of the playoffs and who doesn't. Those those plays are important, and I don't like what I'm seeing from him. I don't know if he can. I mean, I, I'm not sure if he's going to fix that. He's you know one of those guys that's a, it seems very stubborn. He was very stubborn with his concussion recovery last year, and I'm not sure he can make those adjustments. We'll see. But if you're going to tell me that you're going to put him in a package with a couple other guys to bring in Max Scherzer, do it all day, every day, twice on Sunday, do it. Do what you have to do to get him in here. He's he's a guy that's a game changer. He's a guy that he's a guy that is the difference between you know getting bounced in the ALCS to Houston again and advancing to the World Series and possibly winning again, and bringing the first title to the Bronx in a decade. He he could be that difference. And short of sending any of your core players, you know Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Gleyber Torres, Luis Severino, short of sending any of those guys away, do what you have to do to get him. Send them Stanton. Send send them Stanton. Do they want a power hitting guy that can play right field to take the place of Bryce Harper? Send them Stanton. 
they're not gonna do that. That's wishful thinking. I, I, a man can only dream. But do what you have to do to get him. I mean, he, like I said, he's a game changer. Do what you have to do to get him because he can really change change the outlook of this season and and the next couple. Like I said, he's only 34. He's got uh, three years left on his contract. You got him for three. I mean, you can win two World Series in that time because this team isn't going anywhere. This team is young and this team is really getting a, gaining experience and gaining confidence. They think that they are the best team in baseball and there is no price tag you can put on that. There is no level experience that you can put. Uh, I mean, you, you can, I guess, but it's it playing this game with the level of confidence that this team is playing with. And to be honest, the level of fun that these, that this team is playing with is, is invaluable. And you add a bona fide ace like that. I mean, he is legitimately one of the best pitchers in baseball, if not the best pitcher in baseball. In my opinion, he is the most devastating pitcher in the game of baseball when he's on. He is, uh, he's one of the best to ever do it. And he, and he still got it. He's still pitching well. He's still striking people out. He's still throwing 96. He's not getting any help. It makes him, it makes his stats look a lot worse, which could be beneficial to the Yankees. But you know, the scouts in baseball do their homework. They know that wins and losses mean absolutely nothing for a pitcher. Wins and losses mean a lot for the team, but for the pitcher, it means fucking nothing. The wins for a pitcher is the worst stat in in baseball. Wins for a pitcher is I don't know what, what you can compare it to, but it, it's useless. So get him. Do what you have to do to get him if they make him available. Obviously, they have to make him available if they start winning and get on a little hot streak, which they have done. I mean, they swept Miami this weekend, which isn't saying much, but with the they, I mean, they just got swept by the Mets, who aren't that much better. So with the state of this team, if, if they use this series sweep over Miami to you know, kickstart a, a hot streak... Uh, this may be all a moot point because it wouldn't matter. They're not going to sell them. But if they keep losing and they're, you know, 15 games out come trade deadline time, come all-star break, who knows? Get him. Get him. Stay away from Rendon. I know a lot of people are saying go for Scherzer and Rendon with the news of Miguel Andujar. Who knows what he's going to be when he comes back or even if the Yankees even like him. I mean, he was a, a strong point of trade talks over the offseason which didn't get done and and with the the level of curiosity around Manny Machado over the offseason which would have essentially kicked Miguel Andujar out the door but we'll see I mean I don't I don't want Rendon he's a great player he's at the end of his contract uh, I don't want to pay him what he's gonna need to pay when you got your own guys that you need to pay and Aaron Judge coming up and Gary Sanchez coming up and Severino just signed an extension but I mean even still four years uh, you're gonna have to redo that uh, you know Torres these guys you're gonna have to pay again so uh, it's not worth it not right now so one last thing before we hit the break uh, I did want to mention um, as I stated earlier the Yankees are 10-2 and two against Baltimore this year for those of you that have listened to recent episodes you'll understand my my desire to beat down the teams that you're supposed to beat down. The Yankees are doing that, finally. I just wanted to throw out a little bit of a, a stat crunch. The Yankees being 10-2 and two against Baltimore this year, they're already almost to their win total against the team last year. You played them 19 times, so we got seven more games against Baltimore. Last year, they went 12-7. and seven. So all you got to do is go 2-5 and five and you match last year. I've said this in previous episodes, the difference between... The Yankees coming in second in the division last year and losing to the Red Sox by eight games is the Yankees' ability or the Red Sox' ability to beat down 
the the weak opponents. The the Red Sox were manhandling, just dominating all the you know the bottom feeders of baseball. The Yankees were not doing that. Which I I heard on the Michael K show this week that one, an interesting point was it may be different for these guys because like I just recently said, the guys that are playing now are playing for their job. They're not in a position to be taking days off, you know, when they're still playing, but taking days off mentally, they're not in a position to be able to do that. They need to give 100% all the time to continue to show their coaches that they can handle the opportunity that they've been given. It's possible that they're taking the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the, the Royals, they're, they're taking these teams more seriously than, say, you know, an Aaron Judge-led team. I don't, I don't want to say that against Aaron Judge because Aaron Judge isn't a guy that's going to give up or tune out mentally. But it's very possible that they're just, it's it's something that they're doing subconsciously. They know we're better. They, they go into these games, they know they're better. So they almost tell themselves that no matter what happens, no matter what type of start we get off into this game, no matter what kind of deficit we get into after three innings, we're going to come back and win just because we are superior to them. We are physically better at every position on the field we are better than them they cannot beat us well in baseball they can i mean it's it's a lot different than other sports you can't just you know physically overpower teams i mean you still got to play baseball baseball is not a, a power i'm physically stronger than you kind of game that that's not necessary look at jose altuve you know look at these guys look at d gordon look at these guys that it doesn't necessarily have to do with how big you are you still have to execute you still have to put bat on the ball it's possible that those guys just assume that you know we're better than these guys we're going to take care of business and then they go out and the Orioles just want it more and beat them this team that's playing right now isn't thinking that way and they're going into these games thinking we need to win every single day we need to show everybody that we can play baseball and show the coaches that when these guys come when these guys come back you're going to have a real decision to make because you know it's it's hard to argue with Gio Urshela hitting 333 through 44 games through 132 at-bats. That's not a small sample set. That is a large sample size, and he is hitting 333. You know, it's guys like that. It's Tyro Estrada, who got called up midseason, and he's now played 22 games, uh, kind of more in a backup role, but he's hitting 304. These guys are hitting 300, and they're not supposed to be here. They're supposed to be in AAA this year. Let's, Let's be honest. These guys are not supposed to be on this team right now. And... Clint Frazier is another guy who was slated to begin the game, the season in AAA. You know, a couple guys went down. Aaron Judge went down. Uh, Aaron Hicks started the season on the IL. Uh, Stanton went down. He got thrust into the spotlight, needed to play every day, and he's playing very, very well. He's hitting 275. I mean, nothing real special, but that is a good hitter, a good hitter, and he's got 10 home runs in 38 games. I mean, that's an excellent pace. I mean, you stretch that out through a full season, I mean, that's, you know, almost 40 home runs. I mean, that's a 35 home run pace for a guy that shouldn't even be on this team right now. The guy that should be doing this in AAA. He's doing this against big league pitching. And these guys are playing for their livelihoods because they know when Aaron Judge comes back, Aaron Judge is going to play. They know when Didi Gregorius comes back, Didi's going to play. So then it comes, you know, it, it gets them to a point where they have to play well because they have to show the coaches that they deserve to be here and make that decision that much tougher. And maybe that's the case. And like I said, it's, you know, beat down the weak opponents, and they're doing that so far. Uh, They haven't played Toronto yet, which is very odd. We're 50 games into the season. They have yet to play Toronto. Uh, But it's it's kind of a tale of two seasons. Between uh, Baltimore and Toronto last year, the Yankees went 25 and 13. 
not bad. I mean, winning every two of three. Uh, against teams like that, you need to win more than two of three. You need to win every three or four, every four or five. But against those two opponents, the Red Sox went 31-7. and 31-7. and seven. That's a six-game difference, which doesn't necessarily win them the division. They still would have lost by two, but it makes it a lot more interesting and makes those final series against Boston that much more exciting, makes them that much more meaningful, which they really weren't meaningful at the end of the season. The Yankees had the number one seed locked up, for the wild card, the the Red Sox had the number one seed overall locked up. They weren't really playing for anything, playing for momentum. The, this year, they flipped. The Red Sox are not off to a great start. They're eight and five against those two teams, which is not very good. And the Yankees are ten and two against Baltimore and haven't played uh, Toronto yet. So I've I've harped on this for a couple couple weeks now that you got to take care of these opponents, and that's just what they're doing. And I know the schedule has been weak uh, to start this season, but that. Uh, I mean, you can only play who is on the schedule. That's all you can do. You can't. I mean, you can't pick your opponents. If you could pick your opponents, I would have played all the best teams this, in these past three weeks when they've been rolling. And you can't do that. And I, you know, it may be a little bit of you know good fortune that as we approach the you know the the grittier part of the schedule, we may have some of these big guns back. And that's going to be very helpful because no matter how good these guys are, they haven't. It would be difficult to win series against the likes of Houston, against the likes of Boston, against these teams that are good teams. They're they're beating Tampa Bay, which are good teams, but uh, Tampa Bay is is the little engine that could that's going to keep keep cutting. They're going to keep going because I mean they're a good team. They don't have the depth to withstand any in, in, any injuries, and they are completely dictated by their pitching. If they don't pitch well, they're not going to win anything. So they're it's. It's a different situation than the Yankees are in. The Yankees can beat you in, in many, many different ways, and they're not 100%. The Rays are virtually 100%. So we'll see what happens. They've got 100 games left, and it's going to be a lot of fun because it's a bona fide three-team race in this division. If the Rays can stay healthy, the Rays are going to be a factor. If Boston can stay healthy, they're going to be a factor. If the Yankees can stay where they are or get healthier, they are, I mean, this is their division to lose. That's that's all there is to it. This is their division to lose. Hello, BBP listeners. Do you like fantasy sports? Do you like drafting? Do you like winning money every day? Uh, Of course you do. We all like money. We all like fantasy. We all like drafts. Why don't you go over to draft.com and sign up today? You know, play your DFS, win your money every day. Uh, You play in smaller groups, easier to win. And the best part about it is you get your daily snake drafts. Every single day, all day, you can snake draft whenever you want. It's an also it's also a good tool to kind of get a, a feel for some ADPs when you're you know heading into your full season drafts. It's a great tool for that, and and you can win money in the process. So what's better than that? So go to draft.com. Use promo code nerds N E R D Z when you sign up. You'll get free uh, entry to a three dollar contest after your first deposit, and you can use that for any entry. And they have a lot of awesome. Uh, games going on they have a lot of fun tournaments that go on like i play in a lot of the baseball and golf tournaments so for baseball it's you know one round you win that round you go to the next day five or six rounds in you know you can turn one dollar into 150 golf it goes by week you play in a four game group for you know a given week you win that group you advance to the next week you know four or five weeks go on you win every week you turn a dollar into 150 bucks a lot of fun they're doing it for football now the big thing they have right now is the three and a half million dollar best ball tournament three and a half million dollar best ball tournament it's a 25 dollar entry 
uh, best ball team. For those that don't know what best ball is, uh, there's no roster adjustments. You draft your team, that's your team all year, and each week you accumulate points and it takes the highest the highest point scoring players each week and the winner of the tournament turns that 25 bucks into a million you got it you got to you got to do it it's a blast and you get to keep drafting and you get to save three dollars when you sign up using promo code nerds n-e-r-d-z sign up now okay so this week's going to be a little bit different i don't have any giants news to report to you uh, they are just now beginning otas so next week we should have a status report on most of the known or the well-known players that you're looking to see what they're doing. You know, Eli Manning and Daniel Jones uh, is the big talk, but there's also some guys that are making you know a name for themselves, establishing establishing themselves on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, DeAndre Baker has been a big hit. Uh, Sam Beal, for those of you that don't remember, uh, they got last year for a third-round compensatory pick, uh, which he was supposed to be, you know, one of the three or four cornerbacks to, you know, be on the field all season. And he got hurt in the preseason, missed the entire season. He's back now playing well. Uh, so we should have some updates on those guys next week, as well as if the Giants are selected for hard knocks. I, I sincerely do not want them to be on hard knocks. I think it's just a circus clown show, and it's not something that, the, that, that Eli needs, that this team needs. Uh, it, it will be entertaining, but I don't want that. However, they're one of, I think there's five teams that are not eligible to say no, which basically means that if the NFL comes calling, most teams, uh, if the NFL comes calling saying that they want you on hard knocks, they can say no. There are certain re- uh, guidelines that teams have to meet as, as, you know, being teams that miss the playoffs, you don't have a new coach, you don't have a rookie quarterback. Maybe that's not one. I know you have to have a recurring coach and a team that missed the playoffs, and that makes you eligible for hard knocks and makes you eligible or ineligible to say no. So if they come knocking, that you you don't have a choice. So I don't want that. the The favorites in the betting world right now are the Raiders and the Redskins. Personally, I think it'll probably be the Raiders just because ESPN and the NFL and all these different networks cannot get enough of John Gruden for some odd reason. I mean, he he was a fun announcer. I think he's a good coach. I think he's an overrated GM, which is basically what he is now. But a lot of guys are enamored with him. A lot of networks are enamored with him. So I think that's who's going to be on there. And, you know, by all means, go ahead. I don't want the Giants to do it. But so since I don't really have any Giants news, um, I'm going to get right into the studs of the week segment. And we're going to close out with that. Um, I got three studs for you this week which has been the case the last couple weeks, but a little bit of a turn in this one. There's no pitchers, uh, nothing really outstanding. Chapman did get an honorable mention. I rolled his Chapman. Uh, he did have three saves, but just nothing, you know, fantastic. I mean, he, he it is what it is. He did his job, but I didn't think it was anything out of the ordinary. The, the three guys that did get the nod were unstoppable this week, and I think you can probably guess who one one is and probably can guess who two of them are but the third one is a little bit of a wild card and let's get into that right now so the first bbp stud of the week game ball goes to mr glaber torres yes he gets another game ball he is building a collection of game balls in his trophy cab his trophy chest and rightly so he is he was just unstoppable against the orioles i mean he has been all year he has been in his career he's just been an oriole killer uh, he played seven games against them, 
uh, or he played four games against them this week, seven games total, six starts, uh, went seven for 26, which isn't that impressive, uh, 269 average. However, he did have four walks, so he had a 367 on base percentage, which makes it which makes it look quite a bit more impressive. But in addition to getting on base, he also scored runs, drove in runs, hit the ball over the fence. I mean, he was just unstoppable at the plate. Uh, scored eight runs in the, in the six starts, seven games, hit five bombs, drove in eight runs, and walked four times. So he was getting on base. He was driving people in. He was scoring. He was hitting bombs. He was playing good defense, as he always does. He's just, he, I mean, he's a, a bona fide superstar on this team and goes not necessarily unnoticed but goes a little bit under the radar on you know behind the guys the Aaron judges of the world to get all the media attention the Gary Sanchez of the world to get all the media attention he kind of goes underneath that label but he's just as valuable to this team as those guys are as he continues to get BBP game balls he's a stud and he's a stud of the week but he's literally a stud of the month I mean he's been unstoppable and he had a I think he got up to an 11 game hitting streak I'm not quite sure of that number I should know that but I don't off the top of my head I think he got up to 11 games but he's just he's just been so consistent and he plays excellent defense plays both second and short hits right in the middle of one of the most potent offenses in the league he's generally the five hitter behind Sanchez and he's just you know he's that guy he's he's that dude he is hashtag labor good. He is my man crush. I love him. He. I was so happy when they traded for him because I am one of those guys that follows the minors. I play in a bunch of really, really deep fantasy leagues where I got guys on my team that that no one has ever heard of. Funny, funnily enough, uh, I live right down the street from the national single A affiliate, the Potomac Nationals. And when I first entered this league, I traded a few. You know, I. I I traded a few lesser-known guys for uh, a trio of minors that played for the Potomac Nationals. Yes, Kelvin Gutierrez uh, was basically the main piece in the deal, and you probably have never heard of him. He has, however, made the big leagues this year. He plays for the Royals now and actually played pretty well. I think he played 9 or 10 games, and he was hitting 300, hit a couple bombs. Um, but I, I traded for him when he was 17 years old. I mean, he had just entered a ball. That's, that's how deep the league is I play in, and it kind of taught me uh, the, the names across minor league baseball, not necessarily the, the massive names, you know, the Vladimir Guerreros, the, the Ronald Acunas, not necessarily those guys, but also all the guys underneath that may never even make, I might have 30 people on my roster that don't even ever make the big leagues. They're just, they're just not, you know, household names. Gleyber Torres was a guy that, you know, everybody knew, but I was a big fan of him when he was on the Cubs, with the Cubs. Um, I was absolutely ecstatic when the Yankees got him. I was shocked that the Cubs were willing to trade him for a closer, which I understand it's Aroldis Chapman, who is kind of labeled arguably one of the best closers in the game. I think that's a little overrating him. I think he's, you know, kind of number four or five in that range. But they traded their, their best outside of maybe Aloy Jimenez at the time, they traded their best minor leaguer for a closer, which, granted, did win them the World Series. And Aroldis Chapman played a very, very essential role in winning that World Series. But they, they traded him for a closer. I, I would never have liked that as a Cubs fan. I was absolutely ecstatic as it for it as a Yankee fan. And given the fact that they got Chapman back, which makes it even more 
comical. But this guy, I, I've been watching him for so long. I love him so much. I'm going to keep fawning over this over this guy. Uh, it, it's my man. I got a shirt that says hashtag labor good on it. And it's never going away. I love it. And I, God, I can't wait till he becomes a Hall of Famer. And I've watched every single at-bat he's ever had. Uh, and I can say that I was, you know, there from day one and as he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. But anyway, enough of my uh, fanboy crushes. How about we give out the second BBP game ball? And that one goes to the one, the only, the Kraken. Yes, Gary Sanchez has been on a tear lately. He is now, you know, amongst the league leaders in the American League in home runs while playing roughly 60% of the games. Uh, he's only played 30 five-ish of the 50 games and he's I think one back of George Springer for the American League home run lead right now which is absolutely unbelievable for a guy that was written off last year and most Yankee fans I know that I talked to wanted him to be dealt in the offseason wanted him to be moved in a package to get JT Realmuto which was laughable to me that they that people thought that he needed to be included in a package to get JT Realmuto Nothing against him. He's a great catcher. He is not the offensive powerhouse that Gary Sanchez is, and I don't care who, what anybody says. Look at the numbers. Watch him play. He is the best catcher in the game of baseball and undoubtedly the best offensive catcher in the game of baseball. And, he's, and frankly, he's one of the best players in baseball. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say he's top five, top ten. You know, he's not Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout material, but he's top 25 un, unquestioned, in my opinion, and top 15 offensively. He's just that good, and he's a catcher. He's going to miss a bunch of games because, you know, catchers take days off every week. So he's not going to put up equal numbers as far as he's not going to hit 45 home runs and drive in 120 runs because he doesn't play enough games for that. But if you go by game to game, you know, numbers, uh, home runs per plate appearance, stuff like that, he's, you know, top 10 in baseball in those power numbers, and it's it's unquestioned that he's one of the best players in the game and I, I laughed at all the people that wanted to trade him I thought they were absolutely nuts and my point is being proven this year but anyway let's get into a little bit of what he did this week um, similar to Torres played seven games started six times uh, went seven of 24 which is a little bit higher average uh, 292 however had two walks so his on base percentage was 346 so roughly the same but in the course of those six six start seven games really six games plus one inning uh, scored five runs, hit three bombs, uh, drove in nine runs, and walked twice, and just played good baseball. I mean, he's just a, a intimidating figure in the lineup that the Yankees kind of have been lacking. They have the good hitters. They don't have that intimidating presence, the Aaron Judge, the Giancarlo Stanton. That's the intimidators. Gary Sanchez is an intimidator, and he puts fear into a pitcher, and it's a, a guy that the Yankees need in that lineup pretty much every day. And he's been batting clean up pretty much every day. And he warrants that position. I wish they would bat him clean up even when they're at full strength. They usually don't. They usually push him back to five or six. I think he should be the cleanup guy in this roster behind Aaron Judge, who I think should hit third, not second. But that's what the analytics say. You hit your best hitter second. I don't know why. But, you know, once uh, the angels bat mike trout second everybody is going to put their best hitter second because mike trout hit second and that's what you do you follow everybody else but whatever the case may be he's he is an intimidating presence in this lineup and he has been just crushing the baseball for the past couple weeks since he got back from injury and 
he, he's putting his stamp on the fact that he is the best catcher in baseball. And the 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 argument for Real Mudo is virtually gone. It's he's doing it every day. It's impressive. He's I, I'm so glad he's part of my team. Anyway, so we'll get to the third guy. The third BBP game ball goes to Clint Frazier. Yes, the same Clint Frazier that I just berated for how bad he is defensively. However, what he did offensively this week was unbelievable and played a major role in the Yankees going 6-1. and one. Virtually these three guys, Torres, Sanchez, and now Clint Frazier, are virtually took this team to 6-1 and one this week. They carried this team to six wins in seven games. He played all seven games, uh, went 8-for-23, had the best batting average at the bunch, hit 348, and he also had three walks, so his on-base percentage was 423. So he had the highest on-base percentage of anybody in, in the lineup this week. He was just impossible to get out. I mean, he was just he was striping the ball all over the field. Impossible to get out. Played awful defense, but that it didn't cost them any games, thankfully. His bat won them some games. In those games, you know, scored seven times, hit three bombs, drove in nine, walked three times, was all over the base paths, was throwing people out. He wasn't catching the ball very well, but however, he was making up for it and throwing people out. He actually threw a couple people out on the balls that he dropped, which makes it look a little bit better than it was. You know, he dropped the ball. Uh, the base runner tried to pick up an extra base, and he threw him out a third, you know, trying to stretch a double into a triple, trying to stretch a single into a double, whatever the case may be. He was, you know, picking up, basically picking up after himself like a little kid. He, he made a mess, picked it up, fixed it, done. It, it still worries me moving forward to defense, but he was able to mask that deficiency this week with just an overpowering bat at the plate and really has been a stalwart in the back of the lineup, you know, generally hitting six, seven, eight in that range and has made the back end of this lineup as as impressive and as scary as the, the you know the top half. Uh, between him and Urshela, the back half of this lineup is virtually producing just as much as the top half, and, and Frazier has been a big part of that. Frazier, like Urshela, is going to be one of those guys that their position on this team comes in question when some of the guys return. Those are basically going to be the decisions. You know, you're going to get Didi, you're going to get Stanton, you're going to get Judge. Chances are you're going to lose Frazier, you're going to lose Estrada, and you're going to lose Urshela. I mean, I really don't know else who you can send down. I mean, the only player on the team that's really not hitting is Romine, but he's the backup catcher, so he ain't going anywhere. You need to have the backup catcher. I can possibly see either Frazier or Urshela staying up and Maven getting sent down. However, Maven, I don't believe, has any options in his contract, which Urshela might not either. Um, I'm not quite sure on Urshela. I know Frazier and Estrada both have uh, minor league options, so they can be kind of sent down and brought back up at will. Um, I believe once you get sent down, you have to remain in the minors for 10 days. But other than that, they can get sent up, uh, sent down, called back up whenever they want. Urshela and Maven, possibly not. I know Maven cannot. Maven has been in the league long enough to where he cannot be sent to the minors. So it may be a situation where they cut him when, you know, the two outfitters come back. Unless Stanton doesn't ever come back or Judge doesn't come back. We don't, Judge's injury is a big giant question mark. So who knows what's going to happen. But as of right now, Clint Frazier is, you know, helping this team tremendously on offense. Uh, whatever issue he may have on defense, he's not bringing it to the plate with him. So that's a huge bonus, and he has been destroying the cover off the baseball, and I, I really hope it continues because 
He's a lot of fun to watch at the plate. It's a different brand of baseball. He's got a little bit more swagger than some of these other guys, which I do like about this team. This team does have a lot more swagger than the Yankees of years past, so it's it, it makes it a lot more fun and a lot more exciting. And Clint Frazier is one of the guys that's leading that charge when he gets his opportunities. You know, the, the red mohawk and the, the fluffy hair coming out the back of his hat, which I think looks ridiculous, and the curls that he actually lets come out of the front of his hat, which is even more ridiculous. But... It, he's got he's got some swag and he, he rocks the Jays when he's playing. I, he he wears a new pair of Jordans every time he he comes you know onto the field, which I'm always interested to see because I'm a big shoe guy. Uh, so that's pretty cool. He backs it up at the plate. He backs it up with his bat. So keep it going. Anyway, that's all I have for you guys this week. Big exciting news: we are going to have our first guest next week. Uh, we tried to do it a couple weeks ago, didn't work out. The, we are going to have them this week. And it's going to be a lot of Giants talk with our guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. We'll you know, make it a surprise. It's not someone that's well known. It's someone that I know very well. And got a lot of interesting ideas. We're going to bounce some Giants topics off of each other. And the person in question is a Mets fan, which will make things interesting because he has a bona fide hatred for the Yankees for really no good reason other than the fact that they, they beat the fuck out of the Mets all the time. And they're really you know big brother to the Mets, little brother. And the Mets... We're supposed to be the team this year that, you know, threaten the division and make a deep, wild, uh, deep playoff run. And the Yankees, everybody got hurt, so they were supposed to, you know, kind of spiral downward. And the opposite happened, and the Yankees are just destroying the Mets again. And we actually get to play them on the 10th and the 11th, uh, two games set. I believe it's in the Bronx, which is, I believe that's about two weeks from now. Uh, so that should be interesting. I always love the Subway Series, and the Yankees generally take the Subway Series. So knock on wood that I didn't just jinx them. But we'll, we'll have him on next week, and that should be a lot of fun. It'll it'll be a lot of fun to get to actually communicate with another human as I'm doing this. <laughs> I, I don't mind talking, as, as I've said before. I don't mind doing this. Obviously, I have a lot to say. So I can keep going. I can talk for an hour every week. But it'll be a lot of fun to be able to bounce some you know ideas off of each other and kind of get rid of some of the awkward silences that I have for myself as I'm trying to catch my breath when I'm talking alone. So all that's in for next week. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. This episode of Big Blue Pinstripes Podcast is brought to you by Draft.com. For those of you that like fantasy sports and you like drafting, Draft.com is the perfect place for you. Uh, you get to get your daily fantasy sports fix in. You get to do your draft. Uh, you pretty much get to do a draft whenever you want. You don't have to wait for you know football season to get together with all your boys or ladies and you know host your draft parties. You can do it every single day and win money in the process. So head on over to draft.com. Use promo code NERDS, N-E-R-D-Z. When you sign up, you get free entry to a $3 contest. Any contest of your choice when you uh, submit your first deposit. So head on over to draft.com now. Sign up and draft today. Big Blue Pinstark Podcast is hosted by... Joe Butkerite. It is edited by Joe Butkerite. It is produced by Joe Butkerite. And the music that we have introduced today is by my cousin, Justin Carter. Uh, he's an aspiring musician. So if you like good country music, head on over to uh, all of your social medias and follow him at Justin Carter Music. Mm-hmm.